What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Now, for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, hi, my name's Preston Ellis. I'm so excited you guys are here. Our little podcast is growing steadily thanks to your support and the support of recent guests like Saints Nation's Andrew Juge, Space City Scoop's Kelly Eco, Nug Love's Matthew Huff, who's back today, Sacramento Kings expert Rafi Wong, and Pippin Ain't Easy's Daniel Coughlin. Thank you so much to you guys. But... On today's show, like I said, we're traveling back in time with our good friend Matthew Huff of NugLove.com. Matthew is the site expert of Fansided's dedicated site to the Denver Nuggets, who the Pelicans have two upcoming contests with and currently trail in playoff seating. I know, I know, the Pelicans were all but eliminated today in their loss to the Bulls, but the door has not been completely shut and our boys can continue amassing wins and growing as a unit and these Nugs will be a terrific test on that platform. Now, I find there's more interest in our pregame interviews than a recap, so as I start with the recap of uh, the beat down to the Bulls, check the subject line below for the minute mark of the interview with Matthew, and if you want to skip ahead, don't worry, I won't be offended. Also, another good tip, I know the length of these pods can exceed your commute, but there's a quick fix for this. Whatever platform you may use, I use uh, Overcast, for instance, there's a setting to change the speed at which you hear this podcast. I myself like to listen at one and a half times the normal pace of the show. This will save you time and you'll be able to get more awesome pods in the daily and you're welcome. And also this will cut down on the the ums and the blank spaces and stuff. You don't have time for all of that. And I know I'm not quite a professional yet. So if you want to zip on by those uncomfortable spaces, be my guest. But first, before you look down at that dial, let's get to the recap. Pelicans fell flat in a game that they never led. The Bulls led by double digits in the first behind an exorbitant rebounding advantage and overall just energy output in general. Simply put, the Bulls just wanted this one more. You'd never have guessed the Bulls were the team playing their third game in four nights. I definitely thought that was going to be an advantage for the Pelicans, but the Bulls were the team who put up 63 points in the first half. And uh, part of this was behind an unconscious performance from Jimmy Butler, who would lead all scorers with 39 on on an ultra-efficient 14 of 26 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3, and 8 of 10 from the free-throw line. He wasn't alone, however. Rondo flirted with a triple-double. He had 10-9-9. And a surprise bench reserve, Bobby Portis, got what he wanted with 21 and 11, 9 of 15 shooting. Even King Joffrey Laverne, as as, uh, Daniel Coughlin likes to call him, chipped in 15 on 5 of 7 shooting. But This game never got closer than six throughout as the Bulls responded to everything the Pels gave them with a run of their own. But life still breathed behind our wings with a a 113-107 score and the ball with just over a minute remaining. However, Butler broke our hearts with a jumper from the baseline as he did all game to put the game at eight with less than 20 seconds remaining. That was it. But this wasn't the only bad news the Pels would face, however, as Anthony Davis suffered two injuries in this game, returning from both. He jammed his left finger for seemingly the third time in the past five weeks. I remember David Lee uh, jamming his finger against the backboard, and he also injured it against the Mavericks, I believe. But today, he also badly sprained his ankle toward the end of the second. He would return in the second half, but was noticeably affected by the injury. You could tell in his shooting, he finished with uh, 8 of 19 shooting. He did put in 30 and 11, getting close to that 30 and 15 again, but... 
He was not himself once this setback occurred. Uh, Boogie played very hard in this one and put up a gargantuan dunk over Robin Lopez en route to his 26-18. and 18. However, this is misleading because he had seven turnovers, five personal fouls, a lot of complaining again, just frustration on his face. He ripped Bobby Portis off of him when Bobby wrapped him up when he was trying to get a lay-in in the fourth. Uh, just visibly frustrated uh, in this one. And uh, this contributed to the Bulls winning the turnover battle 23-14 to and 32-12 to on fast break points. That's supposed to be the Pelicans game, and they just got uh, outplayed. Pelicans didn't shoot or defend well in this one, averaging 40% from the field and allowing 49% from Chicago, including 50% from three on 13 made baskets. Not normally a good three-point shooting team. This is one of the worst in the league. It was just frustrating affair. Uh... As you kept waiting for the Pels to turn the lights on. The Bulls are supposed to be tired, you guys. You're on two days rest. But uh, Gentry never led any kind of charge after a timeout. And the charge in general never truly came. Or, or whatever charges we could amass were squashed by the Bulls at every turn. Drew Holiday remains a disappointment. Despite his 17 points, he shot 5 of 12 and just was a virtual non-factor. He... It's getting harder and harder to justify a Max's extension from Drew. As you can see, the fans on Twitter are getting more and more frustrated with his lackluster performances. We keep waiting for the light to switch on, this guy to go off for 30 like he seemingly was every couple of games before Boogie was added. But something about Boogie clogging the lane has just been slowing Drew down. Frazier was a letdown, one of six shooting in 21 minutes. Solo was also a very big disappointment in this one. He contributed nothing across the stat line, as usual, but he also got absolutely abolished by Jimmy Butler. He was matched up with him primarily for a, a big portion of the game, and he was brought in to be a stopper with this $48 million contract. And if a, you know, also part of this is on Gentry. A player like Jimmy Butler, if he starts, if the shots start going down as they were in the first, you just can't stop him. And if Gentry sees it just isn't working, it makes sense to just take Solo out of there and add some more offense. Like Dante was shooting well, he hit two three-pointers from the corner in a row, which was something that uh, was really exciting for Pelicans fans to see. And uh, Jordan Crawford was having success as well. Even Etwan Moore enjoyed a bit more success on Butler than Solo did. And while he didn't score well in this one, he does. Uh, he's a better ball handler, uh, first of all. He's better distributing the ball. It was, it was just a disappointing matchup as the Pelicans had won eight of their past eleven, and I, I just expected more from them out of this one. Uh, one last note before we move on to Matthew Quinn Cook. Uh, on his 10-day contract, got an early appearance in the first and shared nothing in his two minutes, but a minus seven <laughs> rating on his plus minus. But let's just put this one behind us. We've been playing well. We've still won eight of 12. We've been playing very well as a unit uh, in the past, I guess, 12 games. We started out two and six in the boogie era, now eight of 12. So let's let's look at the silver lining and go on to the Nuggets, a team that we beat very badly uh, a week ago. Let's talk to their expert, Matthew, you guys. It's time to speak with the enemy. All right, and now finally we bring back our old friend Matthew Huff. Matthew came onto the program about a week and a half ago and really helped boost our listenership, so we're so thrilled to have him back. Matthew is not doing well, although they did win tonight, so we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, for you guys listening in, you can follow Matt, and I'm going to do this from memory, at Huff, H-U-F-F underscore Mellow7, 
Or you can follow his site where he is the expert. It's at Nug, N-U-G-G underscore love. Did I get it, Matt? Yes, you did. Yes. Okay. I still got it. (laughs) Matt, now that we've heard your voice, welcome to Pelican Debrief Podcast. How are you doing tonight? In general, really good as a Nugget as a Nugget fan, I've been better. Okay, let's let's dive right into it since you you started us off. Okay, so you guys had wins against the Cavs and the Pacers, uh, two teams playing really well, or at least they played really well against each other tonight. Uh, Paul George has been going off lately, in case you've been following. But uh, since then, you've lost three in a row to the to the Pelicans, the Hornets, and the Blazers. Matt, your boys are coming off the rails at the worst possible time. Although tonight, uh, your guys came up big, 116-113 against the Red Hot Heat, who handed us our butts a couple of weeks ago. Um, Gallo had 29, who didn't play well against the Nugs. You got 19-10-7. I think that's like Jokic's exact uh, season average, and he just happened to place it in tonight. And, well, 19 from Chandler, and 17 and 9 from Emmanuel Moutier starting in place of Jameer Nelson, the guy you said shouldn't even be playing because you need to trade him <laughs> this offseason. What happened tonight, Matt? I don't know. I guess, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while because I'm still, after, you know, I know I talked to, like, to you about a week and a half ago. And I was showing a lot of confidence in my team since they were playing really well at that time. But, you know, you put it per- perfectly. They've just derailed since then. And I'm I'm just not have very confident in our chances with the way Portland's been playing. I know they just lost use of Nurkic. But we need uh, way too much to go right for us. And if we want to have any shot at, you know, getting some miraculous playoff spot right now. Before we go any further... Let's talk about how it felt playing the Blazers and watching Nurkic just stick it to you guys. It was heartbreaking, not going to lie. <laughs> um, you know, I, however, a lot of us fans, myself included, still feel that the trade was necessary because, granted, there's no evidence to support it, but we feel as if Nurkic kind of quit on us when you take a look at, you know, the spikes in his averages ever since he got to Portland and the, you know, some of the rumors that were coming out about him being mad about being benched for Jokic and then him struggling mightily when he did get in and looking like he was only giving 25%. So it's a very mixed feelings and, yeah, it's really right. too bad because Nurkic is on a great contract. You guys gave up a first to get him. You traded him for Plumley, who now, unfortunately, you have to pay, uh, which yep. is difficult. But you know what? Forget all about that. Big win tonight against a team that's been playing really well. What's what's the mood of the fan base right now? What's the mood of the players after this win? The mood, I would say, is kind of confused and perplexed because oh, no. they – they know, everyone knows about how well Portland's been playing, even with yeah. Nurkic going down, and they know that they're probably not going to slow down anytime soon. However, there's still that shred of hope that, you know, many optimistic fans are clinging on to, and stranger things have happened in, you know, sports. So we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think they've 
out of their last 10. They were idle tonight. But um, I saw I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, you had started a poll with uh, who's to blame uh, was being the subject header. I actually voted myself. And uh, before I give you my answer, who who ended up winning the poll? First of all, for who's to blame? It was between your GM, your coach and your players who ended up winning and who do you attribute the blame to? I can't really remember who ended up winning, but if my memory yes, yeah. serves correctly, it was Coach Malone who ended up winning. Wow. Who, wow. Who I think, yeah, who I think is to blame. I hate, you know, singling one particular person out or, you know, one particular group. So I'm going to kind of give a diplomatic answer here. I think it's a little, is a combination of all three because, yeah. like you just, said that Nurkish trade, it looked great for both sides at the time, but it's now clearly looking like Portland won that trade. And yeah. Coach Malone has had some very questionable rotations since the beginning of the season. I remember in particular one game, we lost by like one point, I believe. It was in Memphis at the beginning of the year, and Mark Gasol broke our hearts. We, we were playing them so hard, and at the very end, they threw a law pass to Mark Gasol for a game-winning tip-in because he had Kenneth Fareed on him, who is undersized as it is already for a big man. And he did not have Nurkic or Jokic out there for some reason. And many fans, including me, were wondering, what are you doing? You need to have one of your taller bigs on a talent like Gasol in that situation. And look what happened. You know, he just torched Denver from down low with an easy tip in and broke the hearts of so many Nuggets fans, especially since that was coming, you know, off a very tough start to the season we had if i remember correctly we had the hardest strength of schedule in the first 10 games out of any team in the nba and then yeah. the players however you know they, they they can't just be held innocent i mean they need to be held a little bit accountable there's been some turmoil in the locker room this year from what it sounds because you know gallinari said something about basically disagreeing with some remarks coach malone had after a after a big loss, I can't remember, it was like in December or January, and then there were some people kind of raising their eyebrows about that. And then, of course, the whole Wilson-Chandler saga, is he happy in Denver, is he not? What's really going on with that? So it's a very interesting situation, and really if you take all those factors into account, the fact that we're at sitting at the ninth seed is actually kind of impressive this year in my opinion. You know what? I'm going to go uh, against the grain. Um, the, the the trouble with the Nuggets for me is you guys have so many good players. Top to bottom, you're just loaded from 1 to 15. It's got to be so difficult for a head coach to manage all 15 of these players. And uh, I was listening to the Ringer Podcast Network today. And they said that uh, I think only one Nugget lineup of five players had reached 150 minutes together. And that just happened about a week ago with uh, Jameer Nelson in the lineup. He's been trying to figure out the Nurkic situation, the Chandler, the Gallo. Like, you've got all these moving pieces, and it can't be easy figuring out which ones mesh best together. But with that being said... Uh, it's kind of like the, the disease of less is more or whatever. You know, it's better to have eight really good players than 15 right. really good players because, you know, everybody's got to get touches. Everybody's got to feel their way through the court. But with that being said, Jameer Nelson didn't play tonight. Emmanuel Moutier is back on the floor and you guys get a yep. victory. What do you think about that, Matt? 
I love seeing it. I know I said that we should probably trade him. I, keep in mind, I am not rooting against the kid. I hope he develops into something special. I was just kind of calling it how it is last time with the way things are going. However, he got a great opportunity tonight, and he capitalized on it. So he definitely deserves some praise. And if he can start putting this effort together consistently, then watch out for us in the future. However, that's the key operative word there is consistency. That's, that's the one thing that's kind of he's always struggled with ever since he came to the league last year. If I can start seeing more of that from him on a consistent basis, then I'm all, all in on the Moutier bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, he's athletic, he's young. If nothing else, it's going to drum up a bit more uh, trade speculation for him. Maybe you'll be able to get a bit more for him. But since we've got you on that wavelength, uh, I just talked about my difficulties with placing all the blame on Mike Malone. I think he's a good coach. How do you grade his overall 2017 performance? This is the second year as the Nuggets head coach. What kind of grade would you give him? And what do you think he's missing on? And that's a tough question and a good, really good one. You might be surprised by the grade I'll give him, but I'm only going to give him a C, actually. Mm-hmm. And here's why. When he first came in after we got rid of that whole, you know, Brian Shaw debacle, the one thing he was supposed to fix for us was the defense. Denver is still one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and it, makes, it looks as if he's made really no effort to improve on that end of the court. And that's really the reason we've lost so many close games this year is because we have not been able to shut down key players on teams consistently and when it's needed. Case in point, the reference I just made a couple minutes ago with Mark Gasol. You know, I, I, like you said, you have a good point. He's had to manage so many, you know, personalities with such good talent all in one team. But that just comes with the job. That comes with the territory. And if you can start, you know, getting them to buy into a defensive philosophy, in my opinion, it'll start translate into wins. And suddenly the, the players are going to start buying into your game plan and your, well, your vision more and more. And as a result, you won't have the speculation that you have about this being your last year as a Nuggets head coach. And that's just my take on it. Wow. Then we've already gotten to that point. I'm looking at a uh, team rankings.com right now. And as far as offensive statistics go, you guys are in the top 10 and even the top five in almost every category or at least close to it. And then in defense, like you said, man, you guys are at the bottom of the barrel. So you really nailed it on that standard. Um, Let's go ahead and talk now. You guys still have a chance to salvage your season or not even salvage your season. Just like figure out what your plan is going forward. Uh, Let's talk about the Pelicans. Uh, They won in their matchup 115 to 90. Boogie surprisingly was sat. He had a sprained ankle. Um, And this was behind the, (laughs) I hate saying this, it like burns the core in me, the inspired play of Alexis Agensa. You (laughs) you can't even see the floor and all of our... um, all of our Twitter feeds were blowing up with how well he was playing. Like a rim protector got used. It really offended me. Um, and our bench unit just <laughs> a tear at the top of the second. Something I was telling you like was something that you should really capitalize on. But um, without Boogie, uh, Jokic was held to, I, I believe, 8 or 11 points on 28% from the field. Yep. Your leading scorer was Mason Plumley with 16, the third-ranked offense. And I, I can't believe that it's the Pelicans' defense although we have been playing better. You guys are averaging 
percent from three on the year. That's that's eighth, I think. Um, against the Pels, you've shot 38% from the field in general, 24% from three. I think your second quarter was like your lowest uh, scoring quarter of the season with 14. What happened that night? Was the story the Pelicans surprising defense or just like shots inexplicably not falling? Well, I think it's a variety of three different factors, I, I think, to be honest. Number one, the Pelicans defense, like you said, is very, it happened to be kind of overlooked at night by us. Number two, Denver just had a poor shooting night, and those just happened to every team, even the best ones like Golden State and Houston in a league like the NBA. And number three, I believe we, we were going to play Portland right after that game. So we were, I think we were actually kind of focused on that. And as a result, it kind of directed some of our attention and focus that we needed to put forth in our matchup towards you guys. And as a result, New Orleans capitalized and just ate us alive. Do you think any part of it could have uh, been tied to expecting Boogie to be there, having a plan built around Boogie, and then seeing the Pelicans play a different style of basketball without him in the lineup and just like missing on that last-minute change? Yes, I do, because... Correct me if I'm wrong, we still we started Mason Plumley along with Nikola Jokic, if I remember correctly, that night yep. in order to kind of compensate for the length that we were expecting down low with Cousins and Davis. And, I was, and then last minute, you know, you made that adjustment and then Denver would, had to like completely change their game plan from, you know, expecting these two dominant big men to having to adjust with just Anthony Davis having all this w- room to work down in the post and then you know, Matt Mason Plumley is just kind of there guarding. I can't remember. I don't know who you guys are. Dante, Dante and just the two of them just taking up space. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it was definitely kind of threw us off last second. And as a result, it, it ended up burning us. Yeah, I don't have the on-off court numbers in front of me, but um, Anthony Davis has been electric with or without uh, DeMarcus on the cousin, uh, DeMarcus Cousins on the floor. But with DeMarcus off the floor, he's just been that much more efficient yep. having that space to operate in. Um, let's talk about the upcoming matchup. Um, who knows what's going to happen? The, the Pelicans played without Boogie, as we said, last week. And just tonight, AD jammed his left finger for the third time in five weeks, which hasn't kept him off the floor. But then right after that, he sprained his ankle, had to go to the locker room, which has happened over um, some somewhere between 10 and 15 times this season. But he did come back. He noticeably was limping, didn't have the athleticism, no idea if he's going to play. I actually hope that they they keep him out. What What is your game plan going into this? Should both players be there? I'm hoping that they pull him. But in the case that they don't, are you going back with that lineup of what you just addressed, putting Plumley out there next to Jokic? No, I, I expect Malone to probably put Fareed at the power forward spot, to be honest. He's oh, wow. been utilizing that lineup recently, and it's been actually yielding some positive res- results. So... That's who I expect to see in the starting lineup, even with Cousins. And then he'll make an adjustment once, you know, if you guys do start Cousins and Davis, like once Cousins starts to go town on Fareed and just takes advantage of that size matchup, then Malone will put in like either a small ball lineup with Wilson Chandler at the power forward and Plumlee at the center possibly, or he'll just put Plumlee in at the power forward spot to kind of help with that length down low. But that's going to be what I'm anticipating 
You know, I was nervous about Gallo being in there, although um, Anthony Davis played pretty well against Meritich tonight, but Meritich also got a couple of threes uh, using some screens, but Gallo scored really well against the Heat tonight, but Faree is kind of fun because, I don't know if you've kept in touch with this, but Pelicans fans often uh, flirted with the idea of trading for Fareed uh, because he and AD were such a good match on Team USA, and watching the two of them go head-to-head would be pretty fun. So uh, I would definitely enjoy that matchup. But uh, with the idea that Fareed's in the lineup, talk talk a bit about Jameer Nelson. I don't even know what his injury is. Should we expect him to play on Tuesday? Um, I would say no, just because of the age factor and it's the end of the year. And I don't think, I don't see coach Malone going that far to put a aging veteran in with an injury. I think he sprained his ankles. What happened, but don't quote me on that. Especially if Moutier with the performance he just had 17 and nine, you know, he's earned a, a chance at getting some more playing time just kind of prove that he does deserve to get his minutes back. What I anticipate though, is for Jamal Murray to start at the point again, and then bring Moutier off the bench. That really worked well for us in this heat matchup. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it is my, what I'd say. So that's what I look for. Okay. Interesting. I didn't even know that Jamal started at the point, but uh, that's got to be great for your long-term future with him being able to do that managing minutes yep. and playing well. Um I'm I'm really interested to 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 see a bit more of Moutier. I haven't seen a bunch more of him this season, but having Jamal Murray out there, how has Jamal Murray been playing on on defensively? Like, how can we expect him to match up with Drew Holiday? Defensively, he's still very raw. He's a rookie, so he's definitely going to need to improve that facet of his game. However, like I said, he's a rookie, so I expect it to get a lot better in the future with against drew holiday that's going to be very difficult because drew holiday is a very one of the best defensive point guards in the league going up against a very offensively finesse player in jamal murray so murray might actually have a little bit of difficulty in this matchup I doubt it. Drew Holiday's been terrible lately. Uh, he had another bad affair <laughs> tonight. It's been uh, so difficult for us to watch because um, we, we all love him. He's such a, a wonderful human being, and by all accounts, he's he's played really hard when he has been healthy, and he has been healthy lately. But um, just ever since we brought Boogie to town, he's just been struggling tonight. He had another uh, 38% shooting night, uh, turning the ball over. Not as much, but we're not even playing him at point guard anymore. Now we're playing Tim Frazier, who's a disaster in his own right. He doesn't turn the ball over, but he also doesn't play any defense and he doesn't score. So uh, it's just been difficult for us. But at this point in the season, I kind of feel like even though you guys have a legitimate better shot than we do and looking at the trailblazers, well, I'll get to that in a second, but you still have a realistic shot of the playoffs. But with that being said, I mean, I'm all for at this point, just sitting players like Jameer Nelson and Anthony Davis and and Boogie Cousins. There's, there's no need to risk further injury. The season's over. I know for the Pelicans and for the Nuggets, the coaches want to see how the lineups mesh because they, we both have a lot of off season decisions that we need to make. So it's difficult. uh, But with that being said, I'll be excited if Murray and Moody are out there and not Jameer Nelson, because we know what we get with Jameer. Um, Yeah. Let's, 
Let's move along. I'm a big Gallo fan. I know that you guys, uh, it's it's been difficult to fall in and out of love with Gallo, but he was super quiet when he played against the Pelicans. He only took six shots. We've we've got to expect more aggressiveness from him, right? Do you know why he was so limited in that game? That's an answer I do not have, but best I could come up with is all, all players just have an off night, but he's been struggling with the exception of this heat game quite a bit lately. You know, a lot of fans have not been very happy with him, his shot selection in particular. And, you know, they, we all know he's never been a very defensive minded player as it is. And so you couple that with the fact that he tends to force the issue at times that makes fans very frustrated yeah but if if he can carry some of the momentum from this heat game into the new orleans game then yes we will see a lot more from him in in this upcoming matchup between our two teams okay i'm excited to see that before i get to my favorite question uh let's talk a little donatus monte Yunus and alexis agensa that's the last (laughs) time i'll ever say that on this podcast they played really well the other night. Donatas had 13 and 7 in 19 minutes. Agenso uh, was a rim protector for the first time in his career. Uh, Michael Jordan Crawford, that's not actually his name, but that's what we call him. He had 13. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you most surprised with on the Pelicans roster, or, or should I say disappointed by in terms of their production? I was most surprised by Agenso because... You know, like you said, this is a guy who is not really known as a feared rim protector, but Mm -hmm. Denver went out there and made him look like the second coming of Tim Duncan somehow. And that's just what Denver does, man. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, they make mediocre players look like future superstars. That's just what we do for some reason. So that's that's who I'd be most surprised. I was most surprised with. Okay, on the Nuggets roster, um, obviously, you know, things didn't go well for your squad, but who are you most disappointed with in terms of how they played? Uh, let's let's move Jokic to the side. Uh, uh, disregarding Nikola Jokic, who are you most disappointed with? In the Pelicans game? Yes, sir. Gallinari, definitely, like you said, he only took six shots, and he needs to be a lot more aggressive than that, but he also has to be smart at the same time, and he just did not look himself out there in that game. Disregarding Jokic again, and uh, maybe the answer is Gallo, but who do you absolutely expect to come out and just play better on Tuesday? To be honest, I'm going to say Wilson Chandler. Okay. He tells me he's just going to have a great game. He's going to come off the bench and just surprise a lot of folks. He's done that a lot this year, actually, despite the rumors saying he's unhappy with his current role in Denver. Whenever those rumors have circulated, he's came out and had his best game suddenly. So I would not be surprised if we get like another 25, five assist game from Wilson Chandler, because he just seems to be due for one of those. Cause you know, he'll, he'll have a great performance like that. Then he'll kind of stay relatively silent for a while, putting up numbers like, you know, like, 13 and five, that type of thing. And then he'll just go off in a very important game. It's too bad. Cause I think he's such a valuable player and I feel like his, the entirety of his career, he's been subject to trade rumors and he's never like, yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about Wilson Chandler, but I imagine it's, it's difficult uh, just on a daily basis, just wondering if you're going to be there just for the entirety of his career. Um, 
But with that being said, before I get to your prediction, I finally get to ask the question that I've been so excited to ask. <laughs> Last game, everyone, every single player on your roster, there were 13 names on the box score, played at least six minutes, including even the immortal Mike Miller. However, Malik Baisley, there was no sighting. Has he been denigrated to the D-League, or are you just doing this to hurt my feelings? Where is Malik Beasley? Yeah, well, we just brought him back to from the D-League, so hopefully we'll get to see some of him in this upcoming matchup because he killed it in the D-League. Thus, why we keep bringing him back, why we keep sending him back down there is kind of beyond me. I understand trying to develop your players and all that, but when he has that much potential... I don't see why you would just keep putting a man through that. But, yeah, I, I really – you know, I, Mike Miller has been there, done that. He's got a ring, and, and he's, his career is going to be complete whether he comes back or not next season. It's time – at this point of the season, it's time for us to give Malik Beasley some burn and see what he can provide for us. It's really upsetting because all I want to see is that that young man succeed. And with that being yep. said – Take yourself away from the situation. Speaking as the Denver Nuggets brass, a team that is just like overloaded with just too many, you know, decent to good players. Will you trade the Pelicans Malik Beasley right now for our lottery protected 2018 pick that converts to two seconds if it falls inside the lottery? So it's either going to be outside the top 14 picks or it converts to two seconds. Would you do that if you were the Denver Nuggets brass? No, I would not, because we've already been burned too much by trades like that in the past, and then seeing players like Malik Beasley, who have the potential he has, just become absolute monsters for the teams they get traded to. It's time for us to learn from our mistakes. We need to keep Malik Beasley. I mean, because let's be honest, guys like Mike Miller and Jameer Nelson are not going to be there in 2018, so we need to give this kid a chance. Well, you know what, Matthew? You better put him out there on the floor because right now you're wasting him and it's breaking my heart. <laughs> I know. Um, Don't talk to me. Talk to Coach Malone. Okay. Let's do it. Let's give me a prediction. How does this week split go on Tuesday and Friday? What are the results? I'm predicting we're going to split the matchups. Split the matchups. Okay. Do you think uh, home and home? We win Tuesday, you win Friday? Yes, I do. Okay, let's go through the Blazers. We're going to do this again. I'm so sorry if I'm hurting your feelings. It's not all wrapped up yet. I'm telling you, um, they do have those matchups against the Wolves that you were feeling pretty good about a week ago. You said the Wolves. I know. And they have two against the Jazz who are playing very well and still need to keep winning. And then they round out their schedule with the Spurs and they finish up with the Pelicans who have now won 8 of 12. And in our four losses, they were all the very good teams. It was uh, the Rockets, the Heat, the Bulls today. We kept fighting. We were within six with a minute to play with with the ball. So we've played all these teams tough. Forgive me, I can't remember who the fourth one was, but... There is a shot. There is a universe in which the Blazers lose three of these games, especially the two against the Jazz and against the Spurs. Is there any chance that the Nuggets run the table? No, there is no chance. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, on that happy note... That's all I need for you tonight, Matthew. <laughs> I'm giving you 
the best of luck and thank you so much again for coming on to the podcast uh your last appearance two weeks ago was our biggest hitter by far i'm sure it has to do one to how eloquent and knowledgeable you are about your team and two about the three uh incoming matchups we have with your squad so we certainly appreciate it again you guys you can follow him at huff underscore mellow seven or you can visit his site at nug n-u-g-g underscore love and right now you can go to the site and you can read up on some of their younger players this could be incredibly informational for any of you diehard fans the article i believe is titled how denver has cultivated their triad of youth is that right yes it is so if you guys want to give that a read you'll learn a bit about how uh denver is utilizing their younger players and growing them but uh, that is it. Thank you, Matthew. And I wish you the best yeah, of luck. Thank you. All right, Pelicans fans. Thank you so much again to Matthew Huff. Thank you guys for joining us since you've made it this far. We really appreciate it, by the way. Uh, go ahead on to iTunes and give us a rating. Give us a five-star, hit subscribe, all that good stuff. We really appreciate and need your support. Again, my name is Preston Ellis, and I'm at Preston Ellis. If you want to follow our site, that's pelicandebrief.com or at pelicandebrief on Twitter. And you guys are great. Let's go, pals. <laughs>